You're listening to Curated Consciously, your all-in-one platform for navigating and nurturing your conscious living journey. Why? Because diving into environmental justice comes with heartache and a lot of damn work. We gotta do it, but as a community, we can make the load a little lighter. Every week, we're bringing you stories, insight, and wisdom from a diverse community of leaders, activists, and influencers, helping you live a more holistic lifestyle that connects your health, wellness, and love from Mama Earth. This podcast is sponsored by Cause Artists, the world's number one platform for social impact and innovation stories around the world. If you're looking to get inspired, hit us up at causeartists.com. And of course, I'm your host, Jasmine Ray, curator-in-chief at Curated Consciously and social entrepreneur. You can connect with me and our community on Instagram at Curated Consciously. Now roll your shoulders back, get comfy, put the coffee on. It is time to deep dive into some thought-evoking conversation, Curated Consciously. Is it just me or have you also noticed that after a massive and incredible uprising to really push forward an anti-racist movement across all of North America and around the world, suddenly the conversation just seemed to end and no one had anything else to say and the media just completely covered, just put coronavirus back on the map as the number one thing that we should all be concerned about when there are so many other issues, specifically in terms of anti-oppression and anti-racism that need to be tackled. In this episode, I am, like, this was such an incredible conversation. I had two incredible social justice powerhouses, um, one who you're already familiar with, Justine Abigail Yu, who I had on the show um, earlier in the season, and uh, Ariel Goldberg, who are both the creators of the wonderful anti-oppression toolkit for travel and cultural creators. In this episode, they're helping define anti-oppression, anti-racism, and actually what it means to be continuously doing the work to be a more mindful traveler and also a more mindful individual. So we're diving into power dynamics in the global context. We're even talking about the manipulation and travel marketing in terms of you know brand imaging, um, power and privilege, what it means to show up in this work. And ultimately, you know, the journey to creating this toolkit. So what started as a series of anti-racism town halls within the tourism industry um, through the wonderful platform uh, basically led to the development of this toolkit, which is an ongoing project equipping travel creators with resources to push for an equitable travel industry for people at all intersections of identity. Now, Justine and Ariel are just two incredible, incredible humans that I really look up to. And I've known for, for years, actually, and specifically through the travel industry and uh, Ariel through Wonderful. And this was the first time we actually got to chat after, we're, I guess, the first time we worked together was like five years ago when I published my first piece on Wonderful, on the Wonderful platform. But to give you a little bit of background, Justine Abigail Yu is a communications and marketing strategist who has worked with nonprofits and social enterprises operating in North America, Central America, East Africa, and Southeast Asia. Her expertise lies in growing enterprises from the ground up through strategic digital marketing, compelling storytelling, and genuine community engagement through an anti-oppression lens. She currently serves as Wonderful's communications manager and is a senior advisor for Rise Travel Institute. She's also the founder and editor-in-chief of Living Hyphen, an emerging magazine that explores the experiences of those living in between cultures. And I'll link in the show notes the past the previous episode we did together to learn more about that incredible project. And also, uh, for the first time on the podcast, you'll be hearing from Ariel Goldberg, a queer, multiracial writer, activist, and traveler based in Brooklyn, New York. She serves on the wonderful team as the program and creator director for WITS. Uh, travel creator and brand summit. Uh, she also serves as the deputy digital director for 
Lambda Legal, the largest LBGTQ and HIV civil rights legal organization in the world, no big deal. She has worked, edited, and traveled across the globe, but most often dreams of selling everything she owns and booking a one-way ticket to Amsterdam. Who wouldn't? <laughs> now, if you're not familiar with She's Wonderful, uh, Wonderful is a global lifestyle brand and community that helps all women travel the world by connecting them to their biggest asset, each other. And this is a community I've been involved with for about five years as well. And they do everything from online and offline events, uh, a lot of growth and success, uh, and success building for women in the industry, especially for digital content creators, and obviously advocating for a more equitable, inclusive, and thoughtful travel industry. Um, I highly, highly recommend that you register and become a member of the of the organization if you are a woman identifying traveler or a travel creator. Uh, this network has been uh, a huge part of my journey in the last five years from um, writing content for the platform, uh, registering for WITS twice and then not being able to attend. So that's the um, Women in Travel Summit. Um, but what's, uh, I mean, what's exciting but also unfortunate is that they're, uh, they just announced that the WITS 2021 um, event in April will actually be online. Originally, it was supposed to be in Kansas City. Actually, it's supposed to be in Kansas City last year or this year, but unfortunately due to COVID, um, they've had to really pivot to bring everything online. And it's been absolutely incredible because, you know, for people like myself who are not able to get to these, these incredible events, I'm able to attend online. So I highly recommend that you learn more about Wonderful at she'swonderful.com. I will have links to the Access the Toolkit and to learn more about Wonderful in the show notes. But without further ado, let's jump into this incredibly deep and transformative episode on anti-oppression work in the travel industry. All right, I'm really excited about this chat because we have three very different cultural and racial perspectives to share here. So I'm curious, when you reflect on your own experiences as non-white women identifying creators in the travel space and as avid travelers, what common trends and problematic behaviors have you observed that just sparked your need to act? Where should we start? I don't uh, even know. <laughs> well, Jasmine, you know, I'll, I'll take this because, or I'll start it at least. Jasmine, you know, I started off, um, well, I, I entered the travel space through my position or my role at Operation Groundswell, which is another nonprofit that um, facilitates experiential education programs abroad for youth. And one of the, I guess, very problematic um, behaviors that we saw in travelers is was particularly in the volunteerism industry, which is probably a whole episode in and of itself for you. But just, um, you know, a lot of Western youth who go abroad, and particularly in this so called, quote, unquote, developing countries, um, and going over there to experience a new culture, you know, that's part of their traveling and cross-cultural experience, but also to quote unquote help and to build wells or houses or some other project like that for a less fortunate um, or at least perceived to be less fortunate community or country. And, you know, without really understanding the context or yeah, a lot of the context for going there or the power dynamics that exist in this um, global context and often just going there, you know, to do maybe four or five hours of volunteer work in the afternoon and then in the evening just partying it up and getting very drunk and not be, being conscious of their own behaviors in this other place. And that's something that I saw firsthand and that's why I 
you know, joined this organization, Operation Groundswell, because they were trying to do something different and trying to educate on a more, you know, what is power and privilege when you go abroad and when you travel and quote unquote, help other places, what does that actually mean? That's very much simplifying the work uh, that we did at that organization. But that's something for me that was, that took up a lot of my brain space or something that I saw a lot on my own travels because of the industry that I was working in. Yeah, um, I mean, I think for me, first, I have to acknowledge that I am part white and I look very, I, A, I am white passing in a lot of scenarios and I look very racially ambiguous. So I think that has weirdly um, given me access to a lot of spaces um, and privy to a lot of conversations that I maybe would not have otherwise been if um, people had known, you know, about my history. So that gives me a unique perspective, but I, I can't pretend that I've had it the hardest. Um, I have been around the industry for quite a while at this point. And I think um, the most, I guess, I don't want to say inspiring, but the motivating, the most motivating um, thing that I can share is in the time that I have been editing and working with um, writers from across the world, which Jazz, you know about because we worked together before. Um, but, uh, and so hearing from writers and reading story pitches and reading content has was really I mean I, I don't want to say eye-opening because like I knew beforehand but um gave me a very interesting insight into the kind of stories that were being told by the vast majority of you know the dominant narrative within um the travel creation space the travel content creation space um and who has access to be able to share those stories and whose voices are most often prioritized not i'm not saying specifically at, i'm not saying at wonderful at all i'm saying you know overall in the movement in the in the industry um and <clears throat> that that is part of you know the work that we have um, taken into building out WITS, uh, the WITS conference, which um, we can talk about maybe now or at some point, um, but just uh, really trying to, I always feel like when I'm answering these questions, I'm not very eloquent, but hopefully you understand what I mean, um, which really trying to uh, upend the dominant cultural narrative and really trying to make sure that um, folks who are coming to this work from a position of privilege, especially, are more aware of um, a, you know, how to engage with uh, talking about folks who are not like them, and then you know just educate themselves and be better. I mean, Justine and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and um, we were talking about how a big, you know, motivator behind the toolkit is education, but at the same time, um, and and sorry, an education without being, you know, shaming if you don't know the right word or anything like that. But at the same time, folks need to understand that they are responsible for educating themselves and holding themselves accountable in that way. And so we want to go into it in a way that's like understanding of people come from different places and especially people for whom English is not their first or native language. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of this terminology is uh, not necessarily baked into the the language that they learn as they learn English, um, but that especially for folks for whom it is, um, it's it's really up to them to be doing that work. Um, and so making sure folks have the resources to that to do that, but also not you know people are adults and making sure that they know that it is their responsibility to um, do that work as well. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys just like un uncovered like a pot of gold there. So let me just dive into that a little bit more. Um, so what I'm hearing is that the first biggest issue is that people are just completely unconscious. They're unaware of 
their presence and how that can impact a destination. And that manifests in different ways by not doing the work, not educating themselves on the local culture uh, or being even aware of what's happening around them, especially if they're in the vast majority of like white travelers who have access to, uh, you know, even not even just in terms of of skin color, but also thinking about passport privilege as well, um, and understanding that impact on a destination and in what in what they need to be aware of inter, inter, in their interactions. Um, but on the other side, you know, there it sounds like there's also not enough resources out there for people to understand even the why, and and because they're not doing the work on their own. We need to provide them with a platform that kind of breaks down what's happening in an accessible manner and then kind of giving them, you know, the the, the tools to take action, not pushing them to do the work, uh, but telling them that it's work that needs to be done so that they need to be accountable to taking action. Does that sound about right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add because you hit it on the head. <laughs> Awesome. Just just wanting to make sure that we're breaking this down so that our audience, um, our, our lovely and diverse audience can all really come together to, because we do a lot of reflection after these episodes now, which is great. Um, so whether it's on our Facebook, on our Instagram, we're constantly prompting with questions so that we can have continuous, because that's the thing, especially with the anti-racism movement. It's like, it just, it ended and people stopped talking about it. It's like, hey, no, there's reflection that needs to be done. There's so much work that needs to be done. And that's why I was like so excited to talk to you both about this all. Um, but two things that I really wanted to also dive into here was um, one, this idea of, of not being conscious of your own behaviors. And I remember being, I remember even as myself being in that place, um, you know, I one of my like first trips to India was actually like a volunteerism trap. And I remember being in that situation and being like, instantly like hang on this is wrong why are you taking me to the Taj Mahal I came here to like do something good and then also having to consciously remember as as a young woman being like oh yeah I'm not the right person to be doing this work anyways and that is such a journey and I loved working with OG to really help participants understand that it's there they cannot be the white savior in all these situations um, but another thing also Ariel is I can really I can really resonate with this idea of being white passing as someone of mixed race who has you know I've been able I've been given a lot more privilege um, compared to family members in multiple situations and that feels it honestly feels disgusting um, so I'm I'm curious you know in rolling out the virtual events that you did to kind of move into building the toolkit, what are some, you know, kind of realizations, you know, um, uh, trends that you even saw with participants who were wanting to do the work that, you know, felt stuck in their journey towards an anti-racist agenda? Um, well, I'll take it really quick and then I'll turn it over to Justine because um, I think she has even more insight than I do in this area. But first, I think we need to shout out um, Charisma Shackelford, our team member who was really the architect of those events. Um, and Justine and I, Justine has spoken at them and she can speak for herself about what that experience was like. Um, but I was definitely doing more of the background support. So I don't know that I can necessarily speak to the you know event overall. Um, but I will say that it seemed like there was not a space that folks were able to really have conversations in particular about anti-Black racism as like a movement, as bringing creators from different places, from different, you know, experiences together with especially, you know, folks on the brand side. Um, and as the U.S. in particular, but, you know, around the world, we were seeing um, uprisings for Black Lives Matter over the summer. Um, 
those conversations were happening a lot more than they ever had before. And it's, you know, it's things that our team has talked about all the time for many, many years, trying to figure out like how to do this work in the most ethical way. But because folks were having those conversations more broadly, it really seemed like there needed to be a space to bring people together in a way that was a little more intentional rather than, you know, just like one-off conversations here and there. And so I think that's what it was really born from. But Justine, I definitely want you to add on to that because I am sure I'm missing a lot of things. No, that's definitely it. Um, I guess I'll just add that it definitely stems from our moving forward anti-racism town halls that happened it was the first one in June, the first or the second one in October. The next one is coming up in sometime in early 2021. Um, dates TBD. But you're right, Jasmine. You alluded to this earlier in that you know we want to keep making this a conversation and something that's continuous and not just a one-time moment, but an actual movement that we continue on. Which is why it was a three-part series, and that's why we built out the anti-oppression toolkit. I know for me, you know, I I really wanted to create this toolkit. And you'll notice that it's called the anti-oppression toolkit as opposed to the, as opposed to the anti-racism toolkit, because it was really important for me, you know, we're having all these conversations about anti-racism and racial justice. And of course that's important, you know, no question about it, but race does not exist in a vacuum. You know, we all have varying intersections of identity. For me personally, I am a woman, I am a woman of color and, you know, those, I guess, are my main intersections, um, where other folks are also having to grapple with challenges or oppressions around their sexuality or their gender, their ability or disability, and, you know, all these other intersections of identity, um, and they all happen in conjunction with or compound with race, and so that's why we, you know, Ariel and I spearheaded this project of really broadening or expanding the conversation beyond race and recognizing that there are other intersections that we need to consider that are, you know, that complicate this matter, you know, it's really, really highly nuanced. And so that's one of the big things that, um, I guess, why we built this out, or that's the, the push to build this anti-oppression toolkit. And I also wanted to add, if it's okay, um, yeah. <laughs> Kind of going back to the earlier conversation, I just wanted to highlight, you know, I talked about earlier the volunteerism industry and, you know, a lot of these youth who are going abroad and not really recognizing or not being conscious of their impact of moving through these places with their privilege. And Ariel was talking about, you know, from the, the travel writer side or even like destination marketing side, like how we talk about these places. And I just kind of wanted to tie up that loose end in that, I think we came at it from two very different ends and why this anti-oppression toolkit or why discussions generally around anti-oppression is so important is, you know, it's kind of like a, I don't know if it's chicken and the egg, maybe the, the travel writing or destination marketing side comes first, but these youth only do these things because they're reading, you know, they have the marketing materials coming from these volunteerism industries who are saying like, you know, go to India or go to the Philippines, which is where I'm originally from, you know, go to these quote unquote poor places that need our help. And that's the language that a lot of travel writers for far too long have been using. And that's, you know, how a lot of travel marketing goes. And so 
of course, like as, you know, as a young Jasmine who is how old when she first went to India, you're consuming this material. How are you supposed to know any better if everything around you has been telling you this one narrative, this one very narrow stereotype about these places that we're going to? So yeah, I just kind of wanted to, to do that full circle or show that, you know, like tie in that loose end that we all have a responsibility, of course, as youth, as individual humans, whether you are young or old or whatever age, um, you have a responsibility, of course, to do your homework. But at the same time, the industries that are leading that are, you know, have the money who have all the marketing power also have a responsibility to present these concepts and to, to reckon with our own privilege as travelers. So yeah, that's all I have to say on that. No, thank you for bringing that full circle as well, because um, I think this is one of those like underlying topics that I think most, you know, I, I hate to say most mainstream travelers are probably not aware of, but marketing like terminology and branding plays a huge role in decision making, especially when it comes to travel. Um, you know, I actually worked as a travel agent at one point in my life. You know, I, I remember, you know, even, you know, I, oh God, this is awful. Actually, I'm, I was like making me feel weird even having to say this out loud. But, you know, I would be talking to people on the phone and emailing them. And I have to also, in my head, like they're giving me a basic like demographic of who they are, obviously, and like where they want to go. And I am basically shaping their travels based on a stereotype. Um, and, you know, and, uh, and I, re and, you know, I remember the way that, you know, my colleagues even would interact with, you know, not that I had like this, I, like my group was amazing. They were very inclusive. They were very diverse, but still the way that we would interact with people of color or different abilities or, you know, having the, the fact that, you know, we have to have a, a, a section of travel that's specifically for people of like, for um, the queer community, for, for example, or like black travel, it, it kind of breaks my heart in thinking that, well, like, do we not all deserve to do things as a community? And I think this is part of like a larger, heavier conversation, of course, which I don't even know if we'll have time to dive into it. But, you know, in thinking about all these different layers, how would you define anti-oppression uh, and what does that work mean for a traveler so that we can kind of shake the notions of like these things that have just been embedded in us, these these systems of oppression that we don't even realize exist or how to like how to identify them in moving forward on this journey? So anti-oppression for me, you know, a very high level definition would be the process of challenging or dismantling the values or the structures or behaviors around systems of oppression. So whether that's patriarchy or colonialism or white supremacy, it's working to dismantle and to challenge everything that goes into that very high level, not a practical definition whatsoever, but I guess that's a, that's a, something to work from. And I think it looks, there are so many ways that that could look like, and something that to be perfectly honest, I think we're still discovering, you know, this anti-oppression toolkit we put a disclaimer at the very top of it saying that this is a work in progress. This is something that we will aim to, um, that will aim to, what's the word now? Now what's the word I'm looking for? To update. <laughs> uh, the, we will work to update this toolkit on a regular basis because we understand, you know, Ariel and I, wonderful, we don't have all of the answers and this is pretty new terrain, you know, this, 
the, these conversations around anti-racism, uh, around anti-oppression is only making the mainstream right now, like tip of the iceberg. And so we're obviously still learning. And so that's something that we are hoping to, you know, embody, I guess, in our work. And so educating ourselves would be one way to, um, to start with dismantling these systems of oppression. Being aware of the fact that these systems of oppression even exist is something that I think not everyone is even aware of. Not, people are often not even aware of the fact that sometimes they are being sexist or they are being racist, whether or not that's like externally racist or sexist, but we also have inner work to do in terms of dismantling these systems of oppression. You know, they live inside a, of us and we have internalized them and we can be sexist to ourselves and to our own gender or to our, you know, or racist towards our own people. And so that's one of the first steps. I think that is like first and foremost is starting that consciousness or awakening that consciousness. And then from there, oh gosh, Ariel, jump in at any point here because, you know, then we need to actually take this into action. It's not enough for us to learn or unlearn. I feel like those have been the buzzwords of the year. Um, but at a certain point, you know, like we need to take our lessons into action because there, you know, we need to actually see the tangible impact of the things we have learned. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Plus one to everything Justine said. Um, I'm glad that you ended on um, talking about the the act, because I, I think for me, anti-oppression and anti-racism is an act. It's not a state of being. It is a, a constant action that we must continue performing. Um, Justine and I learned a lot in um, putting this together. As she said, we don't have all of the experiences that are outlined here. Um, and so it was really important for us to get that information from folks who are doing that work, which is why, as you'll see, if you go to the toolkit for those listening, um, there are reference links to where a lot of that information came from. A lot of it was adapted and edited by us and, you know, an amalgamation of many places and many um, things and definitions that we found. But um, ultimately for us, I think the number one um, uh, thing, I guess, that we were trying to keep in mind as we were putting it together is to make sure that we are being accurate and accurately representing and crediting those who um, are have, have and will continue to do this work. Um, and I think, you know, as we think about what is anti-oppression and what is anti-racism, I think language is obviously super important for a lot of reasons, but um, I, I have in my past heard a lot of people refer to themselves as an anti-racist, which I think is great. Like, obviously we should all be anti-racists, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think any one person, you cannot be an anti-racist. You can be anti-racist, but you, can be, you can't be an anti-racist. That's my personal opinion. I'm sure many people disagree with it and you are absolutely welcome to disagree with me on it. But I think it's a really important distinction because I, I worry that when people start just blanket, you know, referring to themselves as an anti-racist, they think the work is done. And they think that like, I, I am this person now. I, I, have, I have this identity, so I don't have to continue educating myself. And I think that's obviously a really 
really dangerous place to be in because as I've said, and as Justine has said, like in education is, you know, the most important um, piece of this whole puzzle and not just educating yourself, but then, you know, the act, the act that we're talking about is then taking that knowledge and making sure that other people in your life have it as well. And that other people in the world have it as well, because, you know, obviously you're going to meet people in your life who are not necessarily people you've known before and who are going to say terrible things. Like, I mean, let's just all be real. We've all been, been in situations where somebody has said something you know, not so great in our presence, whether we know them very well or not. And it's like, how do you respond in those moments? And then not just in those minute, you know, little moments, but how are you showing up in the world? How are you um, being, not, you don't, not everybody needs to be an activist. I mean, I think that we should all be, but like, you know, how are you furthering the movements? How are you furthering um, uh, e equity and, and justice for people around the world. I come from a nonprofit background and I actually am just about to head over to another organization that um, does work in the criminal justice field. So I'm very into like justice these days, but, uh, but it's real, you know, it's true. It's um, I think, you know, in order to be good humans, we have to really be thinking about more than just ourselves and how we are. Um, I don't, I, I I don't want to, you know, also say that we should all be saviors for other people in other communities, you know, nobody should think that they can come in and fix, um, you know, racism or sexism or transphobia or whatever it is, especially if you're not a part of those communities, but what can you do to support the people who are trying to do that work? That's, I think, the crux of it. And just to jump on that too, from, you know, specifically for travelers, yeah, you don't have to be an activist in terms of like, I feel like we have also a very narrow conception of what an activist looks like or what it is they do, you know, at least for me, when I first started in this world, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go protest every weekend. Like, I can't do that. Or, you know, that's certainly one way to show your activism and a powerful way to do so with your actual body, you know, and showing up in that way. But there are other ways, too. And I think, you know, if you're just getting started in this work as a traveler, even having the consciousness and the awareness of thinking through before you go abroad, where, where do you come from? How did you get there? And where, you know, when you're going abroad, thinking about the privileges that you carry as you move through these different places, because our presence in another place, it changes the place, you know, like it's, this is a constant, like the Ariel was saying, it's constant. We are constantly changing. And so, yeah, just even having that awareness to, to see how, locals may react to you or treat you differently. I think that is such an important piece to it. And as I'm speaking about this, I'm reading this book right now um, and it's called Beyond Guild Trips. Ariel, I don't know if you've read it yet by uh, I Dr. Anu. I love that you're reading it. Yes, yeah, so Dr. Anu was actually one of our speakers at um, Moving forward what's online what's online okay we have so oh. many virtual events I cannot no, keep track keep <laughs> um but she talks all about the relationships that we have and the power dynamics that are at play when we're traveling abroad but also when we're traveling within our home communities and different neighborhoods and just navigating and negotiating these relationships around race around different intersections of identity um, but I think I'm going on a tangent, so I, <laughs> I will end it there. But yeah, I think just having that consciousness is definitely the first step. And then, you know, adjusting your behaviors according to that. And honestly, once you are aware of it, you can't unsee it, you know, and I do believe that 
folks who have that awareness in themselves and can see the privileges that they carry, maybe I am optimistic, but I do think that when you do see that, when you do recognize that people do change their behaviors, you know, you can't not when you just, I don't know, for me personally, like as my world opens up to all of the injustices of all the inequities that exist in the world, like I can't unsee it and I can't not do anything about it anymore. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to frame activism, Justine. Um, And it's making me think a lot, you know, as the person who a minute ago was like, not everybody can be an activist. I'm like, that's a really good point. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Always learning. (laughs) You two are hilarious also. (laughs) Like, honestly, you guys, you, you both have these amazing brains with so much, like, just so much to share. Like there's, there's, I've been, I'm also like reflecting heavily as you both are, are speaking because, you know, um, Ariel, what you said, like, you know, they think, the, you know, people think the work is done once they've called themselves an anti-racist or, you know, they posted a black square on their Instagram page, you know, like, and, and it's interesting because, you know, especially, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure we can relate on this as well as like being in, you know, in multiracial families, it's even, there's sometimes even like these really awkward or uncomfortable situations that can arise because, you know, someone is not kind of being empathetic or diving deeper into understanding a certain something and then making a comment and not realizing how, you know, how blown out of proportion it can be just because they didn't take the second to kind of think a little bit deeper into why they're, you know, they thought that that thing or, you know, why they had the need to say that. Uh, An example would be on the last episode I did with Justine, I'll link to it. I was talking about how, I think I talked about how I had to confront a family member um, on something that was just like the worst on Facebook. And it turned into this like massive thing. And it just makes you think like, okay, like it's, it's also, you know, and I, I like to say sustainability starts at home. And I feel like also um, work, like anti-oppression work does start within your home and understanding, like you have to look within. And, you know, that comes out as well when you're traveling, because you're going to, you you know, I'm sure we've all been in situations where we've been in a destination being conscious of how we might be impacting the locals or the environment or et cetera. And it actually comes back the other way and we become the target. And it And it's like, oh my gosh, how do I address this when there is so much, there, there's just so much between uh, you and the individual, whether it's cultural differences, um, uh, um, spiritual practices, like there's, and especially I feel like in India that comes up a lot where I get like targeted with like a, uh, you know, I, I was called a Negro by someone who just didn't understand what that word meant. And it was just like their only way to, con- they wanted to connect with me around my hair. And, you know, it's it's interesting how then you have to navigate those situations. And I think that self-work and knowing that that work is never done plays a huge role in educating others and, and being being mindful. Because I, I think, again, what you, what you both said before, you can't shame someone, you can't make someone feel like... Um, you know, especially if it comes from a place of just complete oblivion and unawareness, it's, we really have to understand how can we also support that person into getting on the path towards an anti-oppression agenda. Um, so thank you both for your, and I, I, we're kind of going over time here and I want to respect you both. So I just wanted to kind of wind us down by uh, going into what is in the toolkit? What can our audience expect? And what are like the next steps for kind of moving forward after they've uh, gone through everything? And what can they expect kind of for more support from Wonderful in their journey? So many things. Justine, you unmuted. Go ahead. 
Okay, you're waving at me, so I will I will quickly begin. Um, well, I think Justine gets a little more credit for this than I do. We had many a, a Zoom call or a Google Hangout call or whatever beforehand um, to kind of go over the structure of the toolkit, but she was um, the one who started actually putting it together. So I want to give her major props for that. Um, we start with um, an index and a glossary of, uh, sorry, there's an index at the top that can kind of, you know, help take you through all the different pieces. But we first start with a glossary of terms, which is um, separated out into general terms, terms about ability and disability, terms about racial justice, terms about gender and sex, and then terms about size and um, body diversity. Um, and then from there, we have a how-to series, which I won't, you know, list out all of the different um, pieces of that, but it's everything from how to practice allyship with Native and Indigenous communities, to how to make your content accessible, um, to how to uh, write about cultures that are not your own, um, and then a bunch of outlinking uh, digital additional resources. Um, it's a pretty, I mean, I'm not going to say it's the most comprehensive thing that's ever been created, but um, I'm very proud of it. And um, as we've said, we are in the process of continuing to update it. So uh, for anybody listening, if you feel like there is a glaring, um, not, I mean, error, yes, absolutely, please let us know. But if there's anything that is like glaringly missing, please, by all means, get in touch with us because we absolutely want to do right by all of the, I mean, I mean, there's just so much, there's no possible way we could even in a first iteration, you know, cover everything. And so um I, even even within the glossary of terms, Ariel yeah, and I were yeah. like, how much do we include? Because we wanted to start with that glossary to really build a strong foundation, a shared foundation of what we're talking about, recognizing that, you know, people are coming at this uh, toolkit at very different journeys. You know, some folks may have already been doing this work for many, many years, but there are others who have never, ever considered this before. And so wanting to be inclusive to that. Go on, Ariel. Oh no, please cut me off by all means because I was getting to a point where I was like, I don't know how to end my thoughts. <laughs> now everybody knows. So. Now we're back. <laughs> um, so I'll just say, yeah, so we wanted to start with that and we have that how-to guide and exactly what Ariel said. If there's anything there that's missing, please do let us know. Um, it's something that we want to update regularly and make sure that any new findings that we have and anything new that we, any new resources we have is included. Um, again, you know, this is a work in progress. This is uh, an ever-changing thing, just like language is an ever-evolving thing, just like identity is an ever-evolving thing. We want to make sure that we are staying up to date with that and, you know, giving accurate information on that. But one thing I'll, I'll also say is, you know, if you have gone through this, this toolkit, and if you have, I am so impressed because I feel like there is quite a lot of resources to go through, but we will be hosting a number of different uh, webinars on various topics to really dive into this, especially in our how-to section, you know, how, how do we advocate for diverse voices at events, or how do we, as creators, um, you know, if we're working on a campaign, how do we advocate for a more inclusive campaign if the brand that we're working with does not, has not considered that before? How do we, that, those parts that really require a lot more nuanced conversation, um, you know, every relationship with different brands or different creators will look very different. And so that's something that I've been working on in terms of putting those events together. We also have our moving forward third and you know, I want to say final, but, you know, this is an ongoing conversation that we're going to have, but at least final for this series that we are hosting that's coming up in early 2021. And so there are still 
going to be a lot of points of engagement with this toolkit. Um, so I do encourage you to stay in touch with Wonderful and all of our programming, especially WITS, uh, WITS Online, um, is we always, you know, Ariel's in charge of programming. And because of that, we always have that consciousness and intentionality to bring up these topics in all of our events. And so that's another way for you to get involved and stay engaged with, with this work. Absolutely. And um, we were very proud of the last What's Online we put together, which was entirely about, um, uh, I don't know the right word, to, but, you know, uplifting and supporting and being a part of the movement for marginalized voices within the industry um, in a way that hopefully is not, you know, savory because we had those folks leading those sessions and it was really wonderful to get to learn from them. Um, and if you uh, so wish, you can become a wonderful member and get all the recordings to those sessions. Um, and you can go to she'swonderful.com slash join to do that. Beth will be so proud of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, and I will include all these links in the show notes, um, obviously to the toolkit and beyond to learn more about wonderful. Um, thank you both for diving into all of this with uh, my with myself and the audience. And, um, you know, if uh, our listeners want to learn more from you both, because you both do incredible, incredible work in this world, you know, where can they find you online? So you can find me personally um, across all social media. And my handle is at Justine Abigail. Um, and I am the same, uh, not the same handle, but across all socials. Um, I am at Ariel Poems, which I um, have, I, I outed, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but is always fun for me to tell is actually um, a reference to T.S. Eliot. So I'm ah. very proud of that handle. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, well, thank you both so much for your time today. Um, I'm sorry for going over time. I apologize. But there's just so Clearly much. Clearly, we to had a lot to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. I, I feel like we'll have to bring you both back to kind of dive into more because I feel like Wonderful always has a million going, things going on. For our listeners, I've I've been part of the Wonderful Network for like, I don't even know how long, but it's just such an incredible community, incredible humans, uh, incredible activity and events and such an amazing place to learn, especially, um, uh, especially if you are a creator, obviously in the travel space, but even as a traveler looking to connect with more um, more women identifying travelers who are can you can relate to their experiences and dive into all of this heavy shit that needs to be uncovered the community is so so supportive so i am can be the number one fan on this episode and and totally just be like woo, woo, to wonderful so um again thank you both this has been lovely inhale the goodness exhale the bullshit thank you for listening and thank you for doing the work be sure to jump over to curatedconsciously.co for more stories, tips, and inspiration for nurturing your conscious living journey. And be sure to follow along on Instagram at curatedconsciously. Huge shout out to my incredible husband, Profound Sound, for the original dope tracks. Hope you all enjoyed, are feeling a little lighter, and are going into a beautiful and blessed day. <laughs>